Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review, the podcast dedicated to bringing our listeners and artists, the writers that are part of this renaissance of creativity, giving us stories to inspire and entertain us. I'm glad to welcome back to the program, uh, author JJ Piedra, uh, uh, author of Final Hope, AR Dragonfly, and now the From Ash series. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. Yeah. Hey, um, so you you just wrapped up AR Dragonfly uh, recently. And for some of us are considered a miracle if we complete one volume, one book. Um, so what does it, how does it feel to finish a series of books? I mean, that's a, that's a long arc. That's a long labor of love. How does that, uh, how does that feel? Is it like a relief? Oh, good. I'm ready to move on. Or is it, you know, I'm going to miss this. Uh, it's kind of weird. It, you would think that the answer would be, oh, this feels so great to, you know, get this book series done. And, you know, it feels like an accomplishment, but it's still like, and, you know, when you look back, I'm still relatively new at publishing books. So, you know, I did writing for 20 years, but it's all, you know, personal stuff, short stories, poetry, song lyrics. It wasn't until 2017 where I actually just started publishing. So, you know, there's still a lot that I'm trying to learn. So on one hand, when I finished AR Dragonfly, it was that sense of relief. It was, you know, me going, wow, I actually did it. I completed a 14 volume book series, if you count the origins, you know, stories for Amber and Kaito. And at the same time, you know, you receive like the feedback and the early goings like, oh, wow, this is actually a big improvement over Final Hope. And it gives you you know, the sense that you're doing well. And then as you get deeper and deeper in the series, you catch yourself, you know, probably not doing as well as you thought you were. And, you know, you have some people who will be nice to you and say good things about your book. And then you'll have the people who will just be honest with you and give you the feedback that you're actually looking for. And I received, you know, some feedback about, you know, the way I wrote my prose and stuff like that. And that, sometimes that I will just elaborate on stuff, you know, a little bit too long and, you know, drags the pace down. And, you know, for being my second series, or if you actually want to get technical, my first actual full series, I honestly came away satisfied in the fact that I thought I did okay. But at the same time, I still recognize the things that I need to work on. And so that was one of the biggest goals that I set for myself when I was going into my new series from Ash. It's like, all right, well, I've learned lessons from Final Hope. I applied those to AR Dragonfly. And now obviously I've learned lessons from that series that I will now apply going forward. And, you know, will From Ash be perfect? No, obviously it's not going to be perfect. I'm going to make more mistakes, but I'm hoping to make fewer mistakes than I did with AR. Well, so it was kind well, of like a bittersweet the, thing. What, are the, what do you think the, the, the two biggest things you learned as a writer from doing such a long series as AR Dragonfly? Um, I, I could probably say three more than two. That's uh, the fine. First, yeah, the first was the, the prose thing where, you know, I, like I said, I elaborated too much on stuff and, you know, 
trying to keep things a little more simpler and to the point was uh, something I needed to work on. So that's something I took to heart. And, you know, as I was actually editing some of the first volume of From Ash, I was actually deleting like entire paragraphs. I'm like, I don't really need to say this, you know, so I'm actually catching that now. So it's making me more aware of, of how I write. Um, another thing is, is kind of like cheesy dialogue. And one of the things that I usually do when I create characters is I kind of, I don't want to say become that character, but I start thinking like them. And part of my writing process is if I can't imagine myself as that character, then there's no way I can actually portray them. And if I can't portray them properly, then how is the reader supposed to relate to them and believe that these are unique characters? So when I had an idea for like Amber in my head, you know, I had a voice, I had, you know, a tone, I had, you know, an accent and all this other good stuff, a dialogue. And I tried to put that on paper, but apparently a lot of her dialogue came out as extremely cheesy. And, you know, it was kind of half intentional, half not. So being a little more aware of how I write dialogue and how each character can still be unique, but possibly being a little, you know, better at, you know, I guess getting their points across is something that I also kind of picked up when writing that series. And um, the third piece that stuck out was the fact that sometimes I rush things a little bit. And I even realized that too. I even got a little bit of critique on the, the ending from uh, one person. And it was apparently a moment they were looking forward to. And I kind of stuck it back in the epilogue section instead of giving it like it's, it's due time in the, the, the spotlight. So you know, I thought in my mind it could have been an epilogue moment, kind of like, you know, all right, we already know it's going to happen. Here's how it happened, you know, short <laughs> summary form. But apparently I made a wrong decision there. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking into account those type of events and uh, making sure they're played out properly uh, is also, you know, something I learned. And it also applies to backstories, too. And that was also kind of like a similar type of feedback where, when it came to Amber and Kaito's backstories, I, I put, you know, as much as I thought it would be necessary in the book, but apparently it wasn't enough because some of the plot points I did in round volume five and six were, they seemed a little out of left field to some people. And I realized I didn't really explain the reasons, you know, why Amber was so self-conscious about her hair color and stuff like that. So it prompted me to write the origin series for Amber and Kaito to give like a full explanation of their backstory in order for people to understand why some of these plot points in the main series happened. Well, you know, if I was a good enough writer, I shouldn't have had to done that because I would have explained it in the main series itself. So that was, you know, basically in the same lines of like different types of events and plots happening and making sure to explain properly. And that's another thing I'm going to fix and from Ash. So all valuable lessons. And, you know, um, I noticed a lot of people out there who would get negative criticism like that and just get like really down on themselves and think that they're terrible and they can't go on. But the thing is, writing is always a learning process. And again, like I said, for writing a 14 volume series, I thought I did pretty okay, but you know, it wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't as good as I thought it could be. So all I can do is take the lessons learned and apply them going forward. I think that's a great piece of advice. And one of those things that writers, that that is part of writing that is the getting critiques from others there's a whole like ser literary criticisms are a 
whole genre of, well, I guess genre of book, you know, where I've read literary criticisms on, um, on Lucy Mon Montgomery, on Tennessee Williams, you know, on James Faulkner, where people sit there and pick apart their works. And I think that that is just part of you as a writer and uh, the audience and the way we exchange our information. And uh, yeah, I think you're right when you're saying that, you know, it is part of the process and it's something that everybody needs to, you need to embrace it. Yeah, there are trolls out there, but that constructive criticism can be worth uh, its weight in gold because it just makes you better for the next time. Absolutely. All right, so now tell me, um, now, well, thinking one more thing on uh, Dragonflight, did not giving too much away for anybody who hadn't finished the series, but did it in the way you wanted to? It did. Um, so at first, when I started AR Dragonfly, I, I didn't have an ending in mind. Um, with Final Hope, I did. I had a uh, had a beginning, I had a major, you know, middle plot point, and I had the ending already planned out, and it ended up only being two volumes. And, you know, I did a lot of planned writing, and I didn't really leave a lot of room for discovery writing, so I wanted to try something different with AR Dragonfly. I wanted to come up with all these different plot points, and then just discover right my way to each plot point without worrying about an end. I wanted to take the series as far as I thought I could take it before saying, okay, I've done enough stuff. Let's go ahead and end it. And it was actually around volume four that I actually came up with the ending. And it was just like this recurring thing that, that came up as a regular plot point over and over in my head. And I'm like, you know what, this could actually work as the ending of the series. So I decided to take a look at it and how it could be implemented. And I kind of tweaked a little bit to where it can actually be inserted any point into the series. So it allowed me to keep going and discover more things that I wanted to write about, discover more plot points to discuss and all that fun stuff. No, while knowing that I, while I have an end, I could plug it in wherever if I felt things were getting stale. So when I was going through um, the different types of plot points, I was like, okay, so I have six volumes worth of plot points, then I became eight, then it became 10. And then I'm like, you know, this is kind of getting a little bit too long. And I don't think there's really much more I can really do. So let's take volume nine as a starting point, and just go right into the ending, like just prepare the whole series to end. And uh, Looking back, I probably, like I said, could have, you know, elaborated a little bit more on some stuff and probably done a 13th volume to kind of stretch it out, um, but I didn't. But it still, it got to the point where I wanted it to end, and the ending was exactly what I had pictured in my mind. So it, it got there, um, but there was some tweaks. Like, I'm trying not to spoil it, but the ending you got in volume 11 slash into volume 12 was originally going to be the original ending um, with the whole, and if people have read it or not, it has something to do with Blazors and the game they play. I'll just say that much. But it, it kind of left a little bit on the unfinished side. It's like, all right, so that happened, but what happens to the characters after that major point? So that's when I decided to tweak it and extend it and kind of do the epilogues and then a little bit of a 10-year-later type of thing to show how all the characters basically fared after the major event which was supposed to be the original ending so um 
I did end it in the slice of life type of way where, you know, I thought it was, you know, them getting back together after 10 years, you know, getting a little bit of a reunion and taking a photograph. And then I don't mind spoiling that part, but it was a nice subtle ending. And I thought it put a nice bow on top of everything. So overall, I did like how it ended. Well, that's great. I mean, better than writing yourself into a corner and being like, well, what did I spend the last, you know, couple of years doing? So yeah, it's, it's good to have, uh, to be happy with your writing, even though we write for an audience, we write as much for ourselves. Um, which uh, is, uh, if, if we're not happy with it, I don't know who else would be happy with it. So you, you've started a new, a new series. What can you tell, uh, tell me about From Ash? Um, I can tell you that it wasn't what I was going to write at first. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the funny thing is, is I, the first series I did, Final Hope, was Slice of Life mixed heavily with murder mystery and time travel and sci-fi. So I wanted to go into more slice of life romance and do a lot of geek culture and wrap that up. And I'm like, well, I kind of did two slice of life series in a row and I kind of did these different spins on them. So let's try something different. So I referenced in both uh, Final Hope and AR Dragonfly, a story called Shadow Wing. And this was the original novel I tried to write back in high school when I was like doing summer school for extra credits and stuff, I would sometimes sit in the guidance counselor's office and just handwrite, you know, the story out. And I'd still have a binder of 144 handwritten pages of, you know, material. And I thought it would be cool to go back and try a new genre, which would be, you know, your classic medieval fantasy, swords, magic, demons, all that good stuff and rewrite it and, you know, flush it out and turn it into a series. And the more, I did it, the more I decided that, well, you know, back then I wasn't really that good of a writer. Let's see if I can change the plot up. And Shadowing became known as the Zero Eclipse. And it was supposed to be um, about this evil character who was actually a, a, a part of the main character himself. It was like a split personality that manifested out in the world. And he brought about the end. And it was about going back in time not really like traveling but like revisiting the events to find out how it got up to that point how the world became set to a point known as zero and um and i know it sounds like read zero but it's it's not it's not anything like that it's not an isekai or time travel stuff but you know the more i started to write out and flesh the characters i decided that it wasn't working because slice of life provided so many different avenues for different character archetypes so what do you do with fantasy you have like the heroic knight you have you know the antagonist type of knight character you have demons you have monsters you have magic you have all these different types of you know fantasy archetypes you kind of locked into you know i can't put a spin on it by saying oh the main character got bored so he pulled out a nintendo 3ds that doesn't exist in medieval times and if it did it'd be an isekai at that point i didn't want to write an isekai but um I decided that after announcing it, I kind of made the mistake of announcing that as my next series because I just wasn't feeling it and I shelved it. And I took a look back at what I wanted to write and it's like, well, you know, if I'm worried about character archetypes and, you know, not being locked into something, Slice of Life provides the best avenue for that. And so I'm like, well, why don't I just stick with Slice of Life then? Since I've done two series now, I'm comfortable with the genre. Why don't I just class myself as a slice of life writer? I know lit RPG is like the big rage among OELNs, but I like slice of life. What can I say? I couldn't write a slice of life if if, if a gun was to my head. I, I just I don't have that ability. 
it's yeah that kind of thing hey if it's your genre go with it because i can't i I just can't write it i mean i I, i've tried writing everyday you know stuff and then it just it's not funny it's not interesting it's yeah it's more like uh, journaling entries and (laughs) i I guess because my life in general has been is generally boring (laughs) (laughs) i don't have any frame of reference for this is interesting on a day-to-day basis so go with yourself if you can write a slice of life do it because uh you know we all don't need to be saving the world indeed and that was one of the challenges with ar dragonfly is like well it's slice of life romance but how do i make it interesting and that's when i decided to take the game they play blazors and write out like action scenes so it kind of gave you that fantasy action you know type of genre mixed in with slice of life and provided a unique you know look at it and then when it came to from ash that same you know problem came up it's like well if i'm going to write you know, another slice of life, how do I make it interesting so it's not just, you know, 10, 20, 50 volumes of characters talking to each other, you know? How do, how do I make it interesting? And the funny thing is, is I was, as I was thinking about doing a slice of life, I was going back and I was looking at all the different story ideas that I had written down of possible future light novels I wanted to do. And as I was looking at it, it was like, well, this one might work and this one might not, I don't really know. And then it dawned on me. It's like, why don't I just do all of them? <laughs> and it's like, well, how am I going to fit all of these ideas into a slice of life? Easy. What is What have I been doing this entire time? I've been trying to become an author. So why don't I write a slice of life about a girl who wants to become an author? And then I can actually use this as my sandbox to test all these different light novel ideas and just pass it off as her writing. And if they suck, well, guess what? Their Ashes story is not mine. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, I, I, I've always, uh, to my wife's uh, chagrin, I have always been attracted to, um, especially movies about writers. Like, uh, let's see, uh, Owen, both of the Wilson brothers were in one. Um, Midnight in Paris is one uh, where he goes to Paris and he keeps meeting all these authors from different genres because something magic happens at night. And so he like goes and he hangs out with the guys from the jazz age, like uh, like your Hemingways and such. and. You know, he ends up in, you know, can at one point he goes to the, the witching hour, takes him to the uh, meet people like Toulouse-Lautrec. And it's just, yeah, I get sucked into stories about writers because writers are always crazy and eccentric in a lot of ways because we have to have multiple personalities in order to do what we do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I've always loved stories that have to do with uh, writers about them writing so yeah i it's it it sounds like it's in the right in my uh, genre of interest here yeah and ash is definitely no exemption when it comes to like eccentric writers um she i mean one of the favorite things i liked about air dragonfly was writing lynn as a character because you know you can have you know a girly girl character or you can have you know your typical you know male protagonist but Writing a tomboy character is so much fun because you don't actually have to think 
like a woman in order to write the dialogue. You can just think like a guy and pass it off as, you know, a female character. And it was really fun to write her that way. So when I decided to do From Ash, I'm like, well, Ash is definitely going to be like Lynn, only turned up to 11. Like, she is not going to have any shame whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, when I started there, I was like, okay, so now I have a tomboy lead character. She's a writer. She's not very good at first. She's writing, you know, short stories. And, you know, that's kind of like how I started out. But the difference between me and Ash is that, well, Ash lives in the current, you know, digital age. So instead of like writing short stories and printing them out and keeping them in a binder, she's posting them online, kind of like, you know, how we have uh, Royal Road and Scribble yeah. Hut yeah. and all that stuff. I made up one called Novel Notes. That's the website that she uses. So she posts her stuff on there, gets a whole bunch of like negative, you know, feedback, but it doesn't stop her. And uh, that begins her writing journey. But it's like, well, if I just sit there and, write a story about a writer and getting negative feedback that doesn't really hold a lot of interest. So to solve the problem of, you know, what do I do to make things interesting? I decided to input some of the stories that she was writing into the chapter. So you'll notice like these big blocks or sometimes page after page of italics, and you actually get to see what Ash is writing. So you might have a fantasy genre in there. You might have a sci-fi genre. It's all mixed in. So it's kind of like the blaze auras of From Ash in that sense, where it really mixes things up. But at that point, I'm like, okay, so now I have cross-genre support in this series. But it really can't just be this one-dimensional thing of Ash's journey. There has to be other stuff. So I gave her a roommate. And this roommate's also her childhood friend by the name of Renji Keita. He is basically a shut-in, or as they say in Japan, a hikikimori. He doesn't basically go to school. He doesn't work. He doesn't contribute anything of value whatsoever. But he is Ash's childhood friend. And he's also an amazing cook. And... uh, she keeps him around just because of that connection and there's a very turbulent and dark past between them that um kind of gets hinted at in the first volume then the second volume there's more hints and the third volume is going to explain it that'll be the whole backstory aka the origins so i don't have to write another you know prequel series (laughs) Uh, so there's going to be that that she has to deal with but it's not just with that, now she also has you know, a job to support the house they live in. And this is where another thing I took from my life. Well, I said I'm a graphic designer and content manager for a water blasting company. Ash is a content manager for a computer tech company. So I kind of switched it up a little bit, but I kind of borrowed some aspects of my life to give her a career. But there's not just, you know, go to work and come home. There's other stories that happen there. There's other you know, drama that's going on that affects her as a writer. So one of the things I came up with when I thought of that was the faction system. And this is something I don't know if a lot of writers do or if I'm the first to do it or whatever, but I took all the characters I was planning and I put them into different factions. So for example, Ash, Renji, um, their cat, plus Ash's friend Soraya that comes over from high school every now and then to visit, that's all one faction. When Ash goes to work, then we have characters like her co-workers, Aubrey and Jace. They have her boss, Mark, the owner of the company, Dennis, and their evil supervisor, Kelsey. Those are all another faction. And then later on, I plan on having Ash to do a writing competition, and then the people she meets there is going to be another faction. So the reason why I'm doing that is because wherever Ash goes, 
I want there to be individual stories in those areas to keep things interesting. So the next time she goes to work, you're, you're left wondering, well, how's her day going to affect her this time? What's going to happen between her and Kelsey and the boss that she can't stand? You know, how's she going to deal with all those pressures? And how does that actually reflect back on her journey as a writer? And then when we get the writing competition, you're going to find out backstories about those characters that she's going up against. And then obviously the results of the competition are going to affect her as a writer as well. So we have all these little different mini stories going on in these different parts of the world, but they're all circling back and in some point either hindering or enhancing Ash's main story of becoming that published author. So it's something I didn't really do in AR Dragonfly because it was kind of like, all right, there's a whole bunch of people over at things and stuff working there. And when Amber and Kaito leave and go their separate ways, what happens at things and stuff? You go back and like nothing ever happened. Well, now in here, when Ash leaves work and then goes back, I want there to be something that happened that you have to get caught up on. So it makes it feel like a living, breathing world in a sense. And it's going to be a little bit challenging to tie all that together because you want to like advance the main plot point and you're like oh wait i gotta you know dive into these details so we can keep up with these stories and it's a little challenging but it's been fun so far um but that's kind of like where i'm going with from ash so yeah the overall story of the book is ash taking a journey from being a nothing writer to a published author but there's so many different you know, external aspects of her life that are going to be feeding into that. And I just didn't want it to be this one story of her. I wanted to have multiple sub stories that people would be engaged in while also being engaged in Ash's main story. So that, that, and that makes, that makes complete sense. It helps um, keep people engaged throughout the entire story. Um, it goes back to the, to me, to the story of, you do you know why Ringling, uh, Barnum and Bailey had a three-ring circus? No, actually, I didn't. Because originally, the, his circus didn't travel. It was where Madison Square Garden was. So how do I get people to come back again and again and again if everyone's watching the same show? If I add three rings, because there's always something going on in each of the ring. So if I'm paying attention to ring A, I'm missing what's in ring C. And so I'll have to come back. So yeah, I can see sense. what happens in ring C. So it's, it's the three ring circus. It's you're providing uh, different stories and different content that appeal to different readers. And, but they're all coming out in the same book and you eventually find a way to tie them all together. And uh, that's an amazing challenge, but it's also great for a reader because, you know, there are characters that some of us live for that are not the main character. You know, there are mm -hmm. characters that we live for that are not the main character and we love every time we get to read about them. And I know I'm, a, I'm one of them in that I love uh, in uh, Sword Art Online. I love Elizabeth as a character. She's hysterical to me but she's not in every scene. She's a side character and it's great that way. And uh, you probably can hear Storm, my cat, who has decided <laughs> that she wants to be, she's famous for getting onto my wife's Zoom, uh, Zoom calls at uh, work because uh, as soon as you open up the computer, somebody wants to talk to everybody. 
But yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about with the, you, you want to create a, a truly immersive environment that people are, pe the world isn't just dependent on one person. It's there are people with other lives in this universe. And I, I really appreciate that idea. Yeah, it like I said, it's a challenge. Um, and so far, you know, I almost caught myself in volume two uh, where I was writing it, where I established something in volume one and I touched upon it in the beginning of volume two and I realized I really didn't do anything with it. And by luck, I realized that chapter four, when I was writing, it was way too short. Like I had just written, um, if you're counting by eight and a half by 11 size paper, I just finished writing a 20 page chapter. And then here I am on the next chapter and I'm at seven pages and I'm almost done. And I'm like, Ew, that's not a good uh, transition for pacing. No. And then I looked at chapter five, what I had planned. And I said, well, if I actually combine these two chapters, they flow into each other so well, they could just be one big chapter. And lo and behold, I ended up with 17 pages when I was done with it. And I'm like, well, now I don't have a chapter five. And then I remembered what I touched upon back in chapter one of the second volume, like, well, I can actually expand on that twisted a, a certain way and help set up the ending that I have planned for this book a little bit better. So it actually worked out. So I kind of like plotted out a new chapter five. And the nice thing is, is that since it's on the fly, it's going to be mostly discovery writing. So I can go wild with it and not have to worry about, you know, following too much of a guideline. So it's going to be pretty fun. But it's, it's funny how when you start writing things, how it turns out like that sometimes. Hey, uh, we will be looking forward to seeing how all of this turns out. Um, I really want to, well, well, we can wrap things up here. And uh, I really want to thank you for uh, popping by to keep us updated on how things are going for you. And uh, I know that uh, you would be happy with uh, some people taking a look at uh, your site, which I will try and attempt to have a link to. But ah, yeah, there it is. It's uh, Joshua piedra.com and you can find his books and uh about his writing and buy his books right there on that site also you can follow him at jj piedra o e o e l n at jj piedra o e l n on twitter if you like what you heard today and would like to continue continue to hear these conversations from the artists, authors, and other creators and pros in the industry, uh, please click the subscribe button. And until next time, keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast.